What is going on, everybody? This is Drew here. I want to welcome you all to a brand new episode of Phoenix Down. This is Phoenix Down, episode number 40.3. And tonight I have with me Matt. Hello. And we are continuing and finishing Metal Gear Solid 4, Guns of the Patriots. Final act uh, is in the bag. And then the epically long cutscene afterwards. So there's a lot to talk about because a lot happens. So the first thing we need to discuss is basically what the plan is. And the plan is to basically slingshot Snake, Merrill, and Johnny on board. Um, what, what, what is it? Do they ever give it a name? It's, 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 I know it's it's Outer Haven. But it, yeah. I mean, is that the official name of it? Yeah, I think that's all they call it. Okay, I didn't know if it was like another Arsenal gear or something like that. It, it's it's made it's, from a prototype Arsenal gear. It's like a modified Arsenal gear. Yeah. So um, they're going to slingshot us onto Outer Haven. Uh, Which and, is there not a more high tech way to do that? Yeah, or at least give us like a parachute. Yeah, or something. Something that would maybe solidify the fact that we're actually going to land on this thing rather than just sling us on there and then possibly injure us, which it does injure somebody. Yeah. Uh, I assume that in the normal world, you'd have like a 70% chance of breaking all your limbs when, when you land. Yeah. That thing throws you really high and really fast. So when you collide with something, it's going to hurt like hell. And it's not like that. They were aiming at like a precise patch. They're like, all right, if it's angled, we'll shoot you so you land on the angle and you can slide gently to the bottom. They just like grind up against the other ship and just launch as soon as they're, you know, blast their load as soon as they can. <laughs> so uh, I, I don't know. It was effective, I guess, in, in the Metal Gear universe. But yeah. Couldn't help but think it was pretty ridiculous. But there was, you know, beforehand, we're walking to it. They got the nice, you know, slow-mo scene of them walking. I swear to God, I get text messages every time I record. Thanks, Ken. Mow that lawn. I know it. He's talking about mowing his lawn. Hang on a second. I got to respond to this. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) Anyway, um... Let me just put that on vibrate. So, um, yeah, we get the slow-mo scene of them all walking toward the, the slingshot mechanisms. And, you know, they we, we talked to Drebin for a minute. He's got his little monkey. And, um, you know, he's like, this is the end of the road, man. You know, and everybody, everybody kind of says their goodbyes just in case. Um... I think uh, Campbell's there, and uh, he talks to Merrill. And it's go time. We're going to ram into this freaking thing and launch you guys over there. So in the process, Snake makes it over, Merrill makes it over, but unfortunately, like, rolls her ankle or something. Something has happened to her ankle, and she's having a hard time walking. And then Johnny doesn't even make it. He 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 hits the side of the fucking thing and then falls into the ocean. <laughs> That's about right. 
Which then begs the question, how the fuck did he get on board later on? Yeah. I don't know how he got on board because both these machines, both both the battle cruiser and arsenal gear or whatever you want to call it, are moving very fast next to each other, right? Right, and I wouldn't think that any random random person is going to be able to swim up and board this thing from floating around in the ocean. That's what I thought. But apparently, Johnny is more capable than others. So, um, make it on board, and we have to sneak into the inside. Um, not much sneaking involved, because I get spotted right away every time. I actually died multiple times here. Yeah, I, th- I thought this part was actually kind of hard. Yeah, it was. Because there's frog units coming down the, the, the main area of the ship. It must be an infinite number, right? It, I think it is. Because Same you... With, uh... The same thing with the geckos. Well, you can actually kill the geckos. I think what it is, you have to make it to a threshold. You have to make it to the door you have to open. When that happens, I think everything kind of stops spawning. But, no, but, I made it to the door and then killed probably 14 geckos. I just kept buying ammo for my railgun, killing geckos, buying more ammo, killing more geckos, and then at some point I just gave up. Well, it, the, when I finally actually beat it, like only three geckos showed up. And then they stopped. And I took out the snipers that were above the door and then just turned it and got inside. Hmm. I don't, you know, truth be told, I really don't know. But trying to just kill one and then rush and open that door, but man, that door took forever to open. Yeah. So after making it inside, um, we have to uh, go down. To, I guess what looks like, I mean, I'm guessing it's the the command center for this thing. Because there's like a lot of stairs. It's like a circular room with a lot of stairs. And in the middle of it is like a holographic globe. Which looks like a futuristic, I don't know. Looks like it. A lecture hall to me, I don't know. It kind of does look like a lecture hall, um, but for some reason that globe thing reminds me of like something you would find in like a command center. You know what I mean? Right. Like we're all going to sit around that and plan plan our locations and our moves. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Although I don't know why you'd want to be sitting 40 feet away from it then. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Maybe he can expand it. <laughs> but uh, when we make it there... Um, uh, both, I think originally it's just Meryl that's there. She's, she's, um, knocked out. Um, and then we run into, uh, Screaming Mantis, who is the final Beauty and the Beast, um, unit. And much like the Psycho Mantis fight, um, she is able to control um people but not just living people she can also control dead people so before that fight we had to fight a bunch of frog units that were there and when we killed them she's able to bring their bodies back to life and manipulate them kind of like a uh, marionette using these two dolls 
One doll looks like Psycho Mantis. The other one looks like The Sorrow. Can't make this shit up, guys. Sort of makes sense, though. Uh, Yeah. Who's going to control the dead people more than The Sorrow? That's true. I mean, it makes sense. Not in in any real sense, not to any normal person, but in the Metal Gear universe, it sort of makes sense. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting fight because originally I had, I I could not remember how to do this, but I remember it had something to do with the dolls. I remember I had to, I remember you could get the dolls. That's what, that's one thing I remember. Um, because you, because, you know, in new game plus you could use them, um, and stuff like that. But, uh. So what this fight consists of is is her um, controlling both Meryl, um, who is trying to shoot us or possibly kill herself, just like with uh, Psycho Manus. Uh, so you got to knock her out, um, and she is also controlling the dead frog units. Um, at the same time, she will bum rush you and try to stab you with her knives. Yeah, she's got those little sickle knives. Yeah, and she can also throw those things too. Um, and the 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 best way to to do it is to break control of of the people by shooting the um the puppets that she's holding. And when you break away the 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 puppets, she can then go grab them, and they're in your inventory now. And then you can turn her power against her. And use the sorrow puppet, or is it the sorrow puppet? Or the, I think it's the psycho. It has to be the psycho manis one. You can yeah. use you can use the psycho manis one to hit her with a psychic orb, and then you can shake the controller, and it will actually damage her. Um, and that's that's how you defeat her. It's actually really simple once you get the pattern down. Once you figure out that that's the thing about most of these bosses is they're not very difficult once you figure them out. Yeah. Which is kind of how it's always been in the Metal Gear games. Um, so, the but there was one other interesting thing. Johnny did show up um, during the frog unit battle, um, and he helped uh, take out a lot of the frog unit people. Then he gets shot the shit up, actually, yeah. That's one thing I don't get is like people are getting shot a lot right here and not dying. So is he shot? Yeah, dude. I mean, if you remember correctly, like there's a frog with a fucking P90 machine gun and she aims it at Meryl. He jumps in the way of it and she's unloading and it just like it like riddles fucking Johnny. You don't see blood or anything, but I'm like, wow, Johnny just got the shit shot out of him. He should be dead right now, unless they're explaining this with, oh, he's got body armor on. Yeah, must have been a bulletproof vest, because he's Maybe. up and walking around in 10 minutes. Oh, absolutely. Happens. Hang on a second. Anyway, uh, 
sorry. Can you just keep sending me text messages? Um, so, uh, yeah, he gets, he, he gets shot up a lot. And I was like, damn, he should be dead right here. But I mean, I know how this game ends, but, um, I was just like, you know, I, I was, I was more of like analyzing this because I remember people getting shot a lot. And I was just like, let's see how realistic this really is. Um, and it's not realistic at all, but I mean, I, I'm just saying, if it were to happen, could this actually be real? So, um, but the interesting thing I wanted to bring up was that uh, Screaming Mantis tried to control Johnny, but nothing would affect him. He just laid there knocked out. So, um, afterwards, after we beat, uh, Psycho Mantis, oh, oh, I spoiled it, but yeah, Psycho Mantis shows up. <laughs> and it's, uh, this is by far one of the most ridiculous things in this entire game. Um, no come, memory card? Yeah, no memory card. Yeah, and it show, it like, and it flashes fucking like the original PlayStation um, it, so here's the thing. We, all right. So psycho mantis, when you beat screaming mantis, psycho mantis is kind of like projected behind her and then kind yeah. of, yeah. For like all of her armor blows off and then he like pulls it back together. You will, all you see is it come back together. You don't know why. I thought that was kind of cool that you see his effect before you see him. Yeah. And then it's like, they you know, essentially one of the biggest metal gear characters is back. So supposedly he had been controlling. He was basically screaming Mantis. Um, what had happened was she had psychically brought his soul into her. See, is that true? I thought they said later on that they just imprinted his personality onto her so that she act, acted like him. I That may be the case, but we're still talking to Psycho Mantis. <laughs> There or was a snake just going crazy? Uh, it could be both. I, I really don't know. Um, the um, but the funny, <laughs> but the, the the biggest thing is is like while you're talking to while Snake is talking to uh, Psycho Manis, there's multiple flashbacks that keep popping up on the screen, and it's all about like, what well, you don't have a memory card anymore. It's like and it flashes up the PlayStation One. And then he's like, you know, flashes like obviously Psychomanus and all that stuff, and um, and he's like, all right, put the controller on the ground. I'm gonna move it with the power of my mind. And he's like, yes, Rumble is back with the DualShock Three copy, you know, copyright. <laughs> I'm just like, what the fuck is this shit? It, it was it's... like, it was this bullshit like PlayStation fanboy stuff. <laughs> it's so dumb. Um, but I mean, it's weird because that is dumb, but I mean, that, that's also been part of Metal Gear from the beginning, that the whole breaking the fourth wall, you know, somebody's telling you, oh, on your mission, then you're going to press press square to do this. And you're like, wait, why would he be telling me to press square? I'm, you know, I'm an agent in the field. I'm not some loser sitting on a couch playing a video game. This, but, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's been like that since, you know, the first one. Yeah. I mean, it's been like that since fucking Metal Gear, like on the NES. Like, um, 
Carl Campbell will tell you you've been playing too long and you need to turn off the system. So would you just say it's more awkward here? No. It's just ridiculous. I mean, it's just Metal Gear. Instantly ridiculous. Yeah, it's just Metal Gear. The big kicker is, like, I I was doing, like, the whole time I was playing this part, I was just shaking my head. And then, like, uh, the the final one, when when Psycho Manus, you know, supposedly dies or whatever, I don't know. Um, uh, the the final flashback is just a picture of Hideo Kojima just sitting there with his arms crossed. I'm like, what the fuck is this? It's so dumb. <laughs> like, look at. It. I was like, that's just the icing on the cake. I was like, look at this. this like, I can't shake my head any harder. And it's just so dumb. Oh, uh, but yeah. So we beat <laughs> we beat Psycho Mantis. We talked to Drebin again. Um. Quick follow-up. That reminds me a little bit of that weird part in 2 where towards the end of the game when you're controlling Raiden and all of a sudden it just pops up like a picture of a like a, a Japanese model. I think it's up like it. it's in your uh, I, don't, I don't think you see it like full screen or anything, but it's just in like where your your GPS or whatever is. Oh, where your radar is. That's that's. I think I'm pretty sure that's Ko, uh, Kojima's wife. But like that's just so random, and it's it's one thing to have your screen go blank and then it flashes video instead of video. Like yeah, it, yeah, it did it again in the beginning of this fight. Yeah, right. It's it. It's equally weird, but it you know it has some sort of translation between video game and real life. Whereas just a picture of him with his arms crossed has no bearing in that universe at all. No, no, it's just yes. he he he's God. <laughs> that's that, that's what it is. Put my wife where I want, and I'll put myself where I want. Exactly. Uh, like yeah, when when you're in Arsenal gear and Raiden's kind of seeing you know GW go nuts. Uh, yeah, the, the, there's like a full on like home video of him sneaking up on his wife while she's like sitting uh, like on a patio somewhere. I don't know. It's weird. It's like, it's just, like, this is, this is the stuff that he does. You know, the dude, the dude is, you know, genius is borderline insanity. So I think he is kind of insane, but you know. So, uh, yeah, he's walking that line. So after, after all that, um, we have to go on. Uh, we, we are at the entrance basically to the corridor that's going to take us to where, uh, JD, no GW is where GW is being held. The re, the re, the remastered GW, um, and Meryl is there, and she says that she's going to hold all the frog units off, and there's a shit ton of frog units coming. Yeah, uh, at least it's not us that has to deal with an infinite number of frogs. Yeah, you're not kidding. And she she tells Snake just to go. Just for once, let me protect you instead of you protect me. And um, it's kind of like a final goodbye there, because I'm pretty sure both... Both people realize they're probably not going to get out of this alive. Um, 
and you know we it's weird how how these cut like for the for the rest of the game most of this this is cutscene from here on yeah um and we're moving ahead down these corridors there's a lot of the um the orbs with the hands running around uh at the same time Johnny gets back up and is helping Merrill with um with the frog eunuch people. They're holding the door, making she sure runs that, out of ammo. Yeah, she runs out of ammo. He brings ammo saying he got it from Drebin. And uh they're like synchronized in like how she needs to reload. He's shoving magazines into the gun and they're they're like they're just pulling fucking matrix shit. That's a little euphemism. Yeah. They're pulling like you know Neo fucking is just shooting people with the guns turned sideways. He's got this gigantic like fifty caliber fucking sniper rifle shooting guys. And then it gets more ridiculous. Then it gets very much more ridiculous. Um, but before we get into the ridiculousness, there is there is a a good little reveal. Um, so she asked him, "Why were you not af- affected by Screaming Mantis?" And he says he has no nano machines, which we all kind of figured he didn't have any nano machines. Um, but the reasoning why he doesn't have any nano machines, I think, is fucking hilarious. It's because he every time they had mandatory shots, he would always duck out of them because he hates needles. <laughs> so, possibly one of the saviors of the entire world. Is because a guy was afraid of needles. Um, but yeah, it's it, you know it, it's it's fully revealed there that Johnny has been around since the beginning. That dude was a genome soldier on Shadow Moses Island. He was even uh, a soldier in Metal Gear Solid Two. He was helping out with the Russians whenever they took over Big Shell. Um and um. Apparently, his grandfather was actually in Metal Gear Solid Three. Like I, I don't remember seeing him, but there is a soldier in Metal Gear Solid Three who has the same voice and acts just like him, and it's supposedly his grandfather. Hmm. So he he is he has been it from the beginning. He is he does have some of Snake's genes inside of him. Um, and he, that's why he kind of looks like him a little bit. Um, but yeah, so the insanity is while they're shooting up a bunch of frog soldiers, he is confessing his love to Meryl and asks her to marry him. And she says no, because she wants to do it on her own terms, and then she asks him to marry her. And while this is going on, everybody's dying. And they're rolling around on top of each other. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're totally like shooting people while in sexual positions. It's. It's kind of awkward. I'm not going to lie. See, the awkward thing to me is that it said in this scene some 
word once. It's also said at least one other time. And it's meant to be an endearing phrase, like, I'm never going to leave you. But the way they say it is, I'm never going to leave you alone ever again or something like that. Yeah. It just sounds so creepy to me because they say it multiple times. Like, what is that supposed to be something that somebody wants to hear? That may be a translation thing. When you're in the bathroom, I'll be there. When you're taking a shower, I'll be there. <laughs> All the, I'm not leaving your side, ever. Yeah, I know. I, I, that, but like I said, that that may very well be a, a translation thing. Yeah, I think so. I mean, if you just leave out the word alone, it doesn't sound half as creepy. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, now that you bring that up, I'm like, it, because it, it does feel like a cheesy anime. Yeah, I mean, I've seen I've seen a good amount of anime in my day, and this totally this scene right here especially feels like a a, a really cheesy anime. So. It's just like one of my Japanese animes, uh, so it's um. But it, yeah, it, that, so that's going on. When we take over as Snake, uh, we go through a bunch of corridors with those orbs with hands, and we eventually make it to uh, another door. We get another cutscene where Snake is having another one of his fits. He he's 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 trying. He's, he's collapsing. He grabs his syringe and he stabs himself with it and gives him the syringe and nothing happens. And Otacon is there with the Mark III, like, what's going on? And he's like, the, the syringes aren't working anymore, man. You know, this shit, this shit, you know, which, which Naomi told him, the more he uses it, the less it will work. So um, he's kind of finally got finished um, I, I, truth I, I don't know they i can't explain it because they, the syringes come into play later on um so we'll just say the syringes don't work now so snake is having a, a pretty bad nano machine fit right now uh and then somehow raiden shows up he had to have came through the door that merrill and johnny were guarding right I don't know. He's a ninja. He is a ninja. Maybe he was there the whole time, and we just didn't see him. <laughs> so he shows up, and there's there's basically frog soldiers there getting ready to kill Snake. They for some reason they put their guns away and pull out machetes. Um, and the fuckers. I know. And then you know, Ryan's there. Uh, he's. I guess got a broken arm and a severed arm, or does he not have arms? I don't think he has. I think he he has zero arms. What happened to his other arm? Maybe he lost it when he got hit by Arsenal gear. <laughs> I don't when know. Lost a billion pieces. Yeah, that that could be the case. He has no arms, but he's there. He's got There's his no sword. arms for sure. Oh yeah. He's he uh but he's there and he's got a sword in his mouth. <laughs> and uh he's like, I got this shit. You go let's kill GW. And they have you know, they have a, a big snake and, and ride and have this uh a, a pretty nice moment of like, dude, you still have your youth. Don't get yourself killed because of this. It's like you need I'm to gonna die anyway. Yeah, and Snake's like, I'm gonna die anyway, don't worry about this. You know, you can pick your life back up. 
And he's like, whatever, man, just, just go. I got this shit. And he starts killing people with, with a sword in his mouth. Blasting him with lightning. And yeah. He, then somehow he has lightning now. <laughs> Cause he, you know, he is riding God of thunder. Also known as Raiden for Mortal Kombat. So. And he lets Snake pass. And it's on to the corridor that leads to GW. The infamous corridor that is completely full of microwaves. Sorry, I had to sneeze there. <clears throat> Ooh. Anyway, <laughs> so we get yet another split screen moment with both Snake going through this corridor, Raiden fighting a whole bunch of frog units with a sword in his mouth, and Merrill and Johnny shooting frog units at the door. Uh, and on top of that... Um, the the battle cruiser that uh, Mei Ling is on is getting overrun by frog units and Gecko. Or not Gecko, it's it's a fucking Metal Gear Ray that jumps on board. Oh yeah. Um. So everything is pretty friggin' dire right now. Merrill and Johnny are getting shot. Like they they I think they I'm pretty sure they get shot in both arms and both legs at this point. Um. Uh, and Ryden's getting the crap beat out of him. Um, and Snake, you, you're actually controlling Snake in this. Yeah, Snake is being microwaved. Snake is being microwaved while trying to walk through this corridor. Um, his, uh, sneaking suit is breaking to pieces. Like, like, like half of it is like tearing off and you can see like the, the material it's made out of, which actually looks really good. It looks, yeah, like, yeah, it looks well, like a, muscle. Yeah, there's all these like fibers. Yeah, they look like muscle fibers, and they're all severed and just flopping around as he's walking or crawling. Yeah, he eventually makes it to where he can't even walk anymore, and he's crawling. And the whole time, you have to press the triangle button as hard as you can. This is my favorite scene in the whole game. Yeah. it's It's basically, it's got the intensity of the torture scenes, but it's him like just trying to survive for... 30 more seconds. Yeah. yeah. He's crawling. They're playing that sad music um, that I think is in Arabic. I'm not certain. Um, and everybody, you know, everybody's getting hurt and everybody's, everybody's kind of losing right now. Um, and just mashing away at the triangle button. Just, just go, 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 go. And, uh, you know, right, or Otacon's there. He's like, come on, Snake, you got this shit. Come on. And it doesn't feel like there's any correlation between how hard you're hitting it. Like, you get furiously slamming on that triangle button, and he's just barely, you know, one step at a time. You know, one inch at a time. What, what it is, because I've known this. Faster. Yeah, you, what, you, what happens is, is that if you notice, like, if you're hitting it fast enough for the game to realize you're hitting it fast enough... The, the 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 icon will actually go away, meaning you're doing a great job of hitting the triangle button. But if you slow down, that that triangle button will pop back up, flashing. Hit it hard, hit it harder, hit it harder. And yeah. if you don't, 
you can get a game over there. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so basically, yeah, basically what that is, is snake just trying to survive. It's not, it's not hitting the triangle button to make him move. It's hitting the triangle button to keep him alive. So, uh, but he makes it to the end of the corridor. He comes in, he is badly burned. I mean, he, he is like singeing, dude. That, that dude's got smoke coming off of him. Uh, his, his armor battle suit is like completely ruined. His solid eye has shattered and it's just a shell now. Um, and he's, you know, he's already having these friggin' fits with, uh, nano machines. He's already going nuts. And we walk into where GW is housed. And it looks like a cemetery. It looks like yep. a it looks like a graveyard. It's got all the white flowers from when when the boss died. Yeah. The uh the white flowers are actually just holograms. Yeah. When he, yeah, when he walks by them they just they disappear. And the tombstones are actually servers. That's so cool. Um and when he it, but here here's here is my biggest problem with all of this is that snake he he can't do anymore he just lays down and Otacon uses the mark three to go up to gw and puts the little hose inside of it and puts the virus in it and it kills gw so you never needed to go through that. So why the fuck did we even send Snake in there? <laughs> I mean, that's the question. I don't know. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm like, the, when I saw that, I was like, I totally don't remember this. But what the fuck? I was like, that is a giant hole. Can you justify it by saying he needs to protect the Mark Three? Yeah, but at the same time, we uh, he didn't need any protect. Did the snake do anything besides kick one of those orb things? They pretty much surround him. Shoots at a couple of them. I don't know if he hits any of them. That's true. Yeah, well, maybe I don't know. But I just uh, I, that's a gaping hole that I I can't stop thinking about. But whatever, it's a video game. It's Metal Gear. That that's two double whammies. You know, we we can't. We can't try to justify that. So everything looks lost. Meryl and Johnny are surrounded by frog units. They are all wounded. Raiden has no arms and has lost his sword. He is being surrounded by machete-wielding frog units. Snake is getting covered up by these orb-with-hand things. And Mei Ling is about to get blasted away by a Metal Gear Ray. And he puts in the virus at the opportune moment to where everything just shuts down. Um, all the mechanical stuff, the Metal Gear Ray, all that stuff just completely just goes offline. Um, the, the, um, but the most important thing is the frog units go insane. Like basically whenever the nanomachine stuff started happening, when he was trying to control them, uh, everything just kind of comes back, flooding back to them, which I guess is, I don't know, their their conscience. I don't know what exactly what forces them to do this. They've basically been reverted back to children almost. Uh, so it's not like Haze. Did you play the video game Haze? I did. Where basically the, 
the system that they're using, the drugs they're taking, makes it so they can't see what they're doing. Yeah. You know, as soon as there's a dead body, they just can't see it anymore. Right. So is it just that where it's like masking their impression of what they're doing? And is it the realization that comes back or is it more actual like we're going to control or chemically modify your emotions so that you would never feel anything anyway? Or It, it could be both. I mean, from the way Naomi described it, it's basically being shell-shocked immediately. So, and she's saying it's like all the bad shit you've ever done comes flooding back to you. So, I don't know. Maybe these people have done a lot of bad shit. But they lose control. They go they go nuts. They stop attacking everybody. And we get a nice message from Naomi. She recorded it and put it in with the virus. Um, and she explains that one, if you're worried, if you're watching this, I'm now dead, which we all know Two. Instead of it just killing GW, both her and Sonny were able to create a virus that infected all of the Patriot systems and destroy them. So when that virus was uploaded, it destroyed all of the Patriot Patriots, the SOP system. The entire thing has went offline and no longer works, meaning anybody who has nanomachines Basically, their nanomachines are never working again. And she has a little final message for Otacon. I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry to lead you on like that. I'm sorry I lied to you. But I'm dead now, so... (laughs) (laughs) That's about it. So, instead of just destroying GW... We have destroyed the entire SOP system, which is a good thing, but it is a very drastic thing and can affect a lot of people in different ways. Uh, And it can hurt people a lot, as we see with the frog unit. Um, They have basically been reverted back to, to blubbering children. You see a bunch of scenes of them just like not like, like almost like they're in a daze. Like people are having to lead them away, like they don't know what to do with themselves. It's weird. So, snakes there. I'm too old for this shit. And <laughs> you know, Otacon's there. We did it, snake. Yeah, we're gonna come get you. Just hang on. And somehow Snake makes it to the to the roof. I, I mean, they never explain that. It just it kind of like fades to black, and then Snake's on the roof of Arsenal Gear, and you know Otacon is coming via helicopter. Um, and we're you know we're gonna get you out of here. And Snake's kind of like halfway, you know, he's out of it. He's he's passed out sometimes. He's he's coming in and out of consciousness and shit. And we see through his eyes. Some dude with cowboy boots come walking up. <laughs> we all know who it is. And fucking Liquid shows up. 
And Liquid is like, you know what? You just did exactly what I wanted you to do. And I'm like, what? Didn't you want to run this whole thing? But apparently what he really wanted to do was have a world where it's basically anarchy. Or not necessarily anarchy, but a world where everybody can do what they want to do. I can't figure his his methods out. Because if that's the case, why didn't he just destroy metal? Why didn't he just destroy the fucking the the SOP system to begin with? Well, did, did he have a way to destroy? He didn't have any way to destroy all of the all of the, of the different AIs, right? Well, I mean, he 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 had a way to destroy GW. You know, he had GW, and he had another way to destroy it, but it was almost like, the way he talked, it was almost like, yeah, I was using you, Snake, to to destroy all of this. And I'm like, are you sure? But well, I, he had no, way to, no, way, no other way to destroy JD, right? Yeah, he was going to, he was going to shoot that nuclear weapon to destroy it. Remember? That's why he got the he got Metal Gear Rex's uh his you know his his uh fucking what's it called railgun railgun yeah I was gonna say line gun for some reason yeah he would <laughs> but uh yeah I'm gonna guess I mean I can bring up the wiki it usually it usually explains pretty well. I, 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 you know, let's see here. Metal Gear Solid 4. Um, Metal Gear Wiki. Um, Old Sun. So, full circle. Liquid Ocelot found Snake while Otacon had gone uh, to find medical help and dragged him to the top of Outer Haven. Okay, so that's what happened. Explaining to Snake that the worm's upload had been his intention all along, as well as the history of the philosophers and the war between Zero and Big Boss. Liquid proclaimed that Big Boss's dream of Outer Heaven had come to pass. Challenging Snake to a final hand-to-hand duel, he restored his brother's stamina with an injection, uh, then engaged him in CQC. So, yeah, the way I took that was basically he he could have killed JD, but he had no way of killing all of the AIs. That may be the case. So he was saying, I'm just going to let him do it on his own. Right, and if we can get them all at once, you know, then, no, then then there, there's no backups. There's no, in two years, somebody finds one of the other four or five or whatever, and finds a way to program that to to re-establish the SOP system. So this is when I try to figure out what what double crosses are happening, because as long as I've known it. Liquid has been working for the Patriots. In fact, he is wanting the Patriots to prevail so that he can then control 
the SOP system. But kind of find out he didn't want to. He wanted to destroy the system. And then later on, we find out something else that we'll get into where it's right. another double cross against Ocelot. Jesus Christ. All right. So let's, let's just get into it. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't think you can really discuss this part of the game logically without talking about the end. Yeah. So let's get into one of the most epic fucking fist fights ever. So when it all boils down to, and what this entire series kind of revolves around, is this sibling rivalry between. Solid Snake and Liquid Snake. And this is the final showdown. This is the one where I'm better than you, brother. And I'm going to show you with my fists. So you got these two old men beating the ever-loving shit out of each other. And it's fucking awesome. There's another point where in this fight where I gave up believability. There's one point where Liquid just like bashes Snake's face like 25 times in a row. Yeah. Like on the ground, not holding back at all. I mean, UFC fighters can't take one-tenth of that punishment. No. So, um, I mean, they go at it too. I mean, they're, they're beating the living shit out of each other. And the great thing about the entire thing is – is that it goes through the sequence of every single Metal Gear game leading up to this. Yep. So first, you have Solid Snake versus Liquid Snake. You even have the old health bars pop back up, and they play... Solid uh, 1. What's that? The Metal Gear 1 music. Yeah, they play the Metal Gear 1 remixed music, um, and you beat the shit out of each other there. Then it switches over to Metal Gear 2 with... Um, I think it's just, I don't know, I think it's just Liquid Snake again, I can't remember. Um, but it's, you know, they change the health bars again, they're playing the, the music from Metal Gear 2, and then they go into Snake Eater, and they're playing Snake Eater, and they're beating the shit out of each other there, and he's just Ocelot this time, and um, there's, <laughs> I went for it because I saw it in the trophy listing. Uh, there's a trophy for um the the trophy is called You're Pretty Good and um it happens during the sequence during Snake Eater where if you get CQC'd by Liquid Ocelot and you and you don't try to escape it, you'll get a small cutscene of Liquid leaning in and kissing uh Snake on the cheek <laughs> and saying you're pretty good. <laughs> and I got that fucking trophy because I wanted it so badly. It's so dumb. Uh, but it's, but it, it, it works. Whatever. And then the final, the final sequence is, uh, Metal Gear 4, where they're playing the, the, the slow guitar song. At this point, both combatants are completely fucking exhausted. They're beating all the hell. They're, you can't even barely move up toward him. You know, you're just kind of lumbering to him. And every time you throw a punch, it's like it's like a fucking megaton punch. You just you hit him, and it's just like ah, you can feel it. And after that, they prevail 
Snake prevails. He's standing over him. He's laying there. And he then dies. <laughs> um, but he doesn't die from, I guess, the beating he gets. He dies from a heart attack. Which we'll get into a little bit later. Which is where the other double cross happens. <laughs> so, from here on out, there is nothing but cutscenes. This is the ending of the game. And as I said on Twitter, um, this is, um, the cutscene that has Metal Gear Solid 4 holding the Guinness Book of World Records for the longest cutscene in a video game. It is apparently 77 minutes. So it's pretty long. Alright. So Matt, you still there, right? Yeah. Okay. I just want to make sure. Uh, right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go by the wiki here because truth be told there was a lot of stuff going on in each scene and I kind of want to hit all the high points. Okay. So we'll discuss what I read. So the beginning of the ending takes place in an airfield where the nomad has uh, landed, and we are getting ready to have a wedding. Uh, a wedding between Meryl and Johnny. Um, and still, I think, I, I, it, it, for some reason, I, I, I'm getting this Japanese vibe the whole time. This anime Japanese vibe because she's there in a wedding dress with a fucking gun strapped to her. <laughs> yeah. I, just, I just find it dumb. And then Campbell shows up and he's there for his daughter's wedding and she's still pissed and she pulls out the gun. He's like, you're going to shoot me. And she's like, no. And you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's back and forth. He's like, I want to walk you down the aisle. So they, yeah, it's, it's very overly dramatic. Even to the point when I don't know if it's the first time or the second time, but with, uh, with Sonny, and she's like, oh, I made a new friend. Yes, that, that, uh, that kid walking by. <laughs> yeah, that, that kid that walked by, she's friends with him now. Yeah. And Atacan's like, oh, I have to let you live. You have to be free. I'm like, this is, of course, you have to capture the moment of this realization. And it has to happen during this wedding. And I don't know, it just, it, it's corny in. Yeah. I guess in an okay way. I mean, a lot of Metal Gear is dumb in an awesome way. This is kind of dumb in just sort of a dumb way. Yeah, that's true. But it's, you know, he had to wrap it up in a nice bow and everybody was already here, so. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of feels a bit like the complaint. You know, and I, I love these long cutscenes, but this just sort of feels like end after end after end, and it does feel sort of like the Lord of the Rings ending. Where, you know, yeah. you could have picked any one of these scenes to end it on and just dragged it out to 15 different scenes. Yeah. So they have the wedding ceremony. Um, and Drabin shows up 
with booze. Um, now for the first time. Yeah. He can get drunk for the first time since nano machines uh, keep you from getting drunk. And uh, at the same time, he reveals a few things. Um, and I'm going to go verbatim on the wiki. He revealed uh, that all the Drebbins were actually Patriot agents, which is why they were able to hack into the SOP systems so easily and um, basically launder the guns, as well as implying that the Patriots deliberately allowed gun launderers to exist, and he was under orders from the Patriots to assist Solid Snake and Rat Patrol Team 1 in their mission to exterminate Liquid, although the Patriots had no idea that the result of the mission would also end up terminating their control over society. In fact, Rat Patrol 1 was an anagram for Patriot. Finally, left no doubt as to the team's true benefactors. However, he also told Otacon that he has absolutely no hard feelings for removing them from their power, and in fact was glad because it freed him and his co-workers to create their own company known as the Drebbins. Although he also uh, got into a drunken rant about the world being in a deep debt uh, that even PMC regulation laws cannot overcome, as well as think, thinking of things may start over again with the UN comparing its history to that of the Patriots. So... It's revealed that Drebin was originally a kind of a secret agent by the Patriots to make sure Liquid was exterminated. Um, and that was the whole point the entire time was that, you know, Snake's mission was to kill Liquid. That's what the Patriots wanted because the Patriots really knew what Liquid wanted to do. He wanted to destroy the Patriots. So, on top of that, and they talk about, oh, meanwhile, Sonny made her first outside friend. <laughs> let's not talk about that bullshit. Uh, let's see here. Up next, we get another cutscene uh, outside of the wedding uh, showing uh, Raiden sitting there in the hospital, all pissed off, but with. Two new arms. Yeah, full new synthetic, mostly human-looking body. Yeah. And he now has a lower lip. Yes. <laughs> so, meanwhile, at a hospital, Raiden was recovering from his operation, which had replaced his cyborg implants with ones more closely resembling a human body. As he rested, Rosemary enters with a mysterious young boy. <laughs> Has shockingly white hair. Yeah, who looks exactly like him, for Christ's sakes. Yeah. Uh, Why would you think that that boy could be Campbell's son? Yeah, he's like, who's that, Campbell's kid? It's like, no, it's not his kid, it's your kid. Bullshit. Yeah. (laughs) Bullshit. (laughs) It's not my kid. You You said you had a miscarriage. It's like, I lied. I've never even been married to Campbell. What? It was there to protect you. We did it all as a cover-up because we didn't want the Patriots finding me and my son because you were all knee-deep in I want to kill the Patriots. 
So my bad. Yeah. Well, shit. <laughs> I've been a douche for a long time. Yeah. Uh, okay. A cover which Campbell had sacrificed his own family. Uh, she also revealed that the boy she was with was Ryden's son, John. After one look at the boy, all the hostility and doubt in Ryden's mind was exhausted. And all three of them embraced Rosemary, promising to never let him go again. Was it, was it, yeah, yeah, I'll never leave you alone again. (laughs) Not for one minute. (laughs) Oh, man. Hey, Rose, you mind if I take a shit real quick? (laughs) No, I'll be there. (laughs) I'll be there wiping. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. And then. Uh, the final uh, scene is the scene that we've seen before. It's the one at the start menu. Snake is there at the uh, at the gravesite of both the boss and Big Boss, and um, he is there to pay his respects to both. And then pulls out his gun, inserts one bullet into the chamber, and then puts the gun into his mouth. And as the camera pans up to the sky, we hear the gunshot. Then we cut back to Otacon and Sonny sitting there as the sun is setting. And uh, Sonny's like, where's uh, where's Snake at? He's like, uh, he had to go away for a little while. He's like, is he ever coming back? He says, I highly doubt it. So as as per your comment last week, this was probably the only time where he cried where I thought it sounded not ridiculous. Yeah. This this was the one where he's like, and, and it, truth be told, the first time I ever played this, it almost made me tear up when he said, uh, Snakes had a really hard life. And I was like, damn, that is kind of sad because we just saw Snake shoot himself. And, you know, he's like, yeah, Snake, he had a fucking rough life. <laughs> you know, I was like, no shit, he had a rough life. <laughs> um, And they, they stare out into the sunset and the credits roll. Fitting end, I think. To uh to the game, mm-hmm. and as the credits are rolling, it's showing all the voice actors. You know, David Hayter, Solid Snake. You know, all these different voice actors, and then it comes up at the, it, it like the music is kind of like coming into you know a really big crescendo. You know, like this big this big moment. And the moment is the last voice actor that comes up and who it who he is playing is Big Boss. I'm surprised they didn't use the same sound that they used when Snake saw the haircut on one of Merrill's henchmen. Oh right. huh? <laughs> the the uh the <laughs> alert um yeah. sound. Like you should like you should be alerted now that this name has popped up on the screen. Yeah. 
And so we get the we go back to the cemetery while Snake is laying there on his knees. And it shows that he didn't actually shoot himself. He uh he couldn't do it. He just shot I guess beside him, I don't know. But you'd think if he if he had the you know, if someone is let's say about to shoot somebody and they get knocked into, you know, and the bullet and the gun still goes off and then the bullet misses its target, that that's a, you know, that's a thing that makes sense to me. Like you still have the gun go off and then do whatever, come back to the target, not been hit. In this case, have had to decide not to shoot, then pull the gun out of his mouth and then still shoot it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why the, why did he actually shoot the gun? I don't know. I guess you know, it's not like somebody bumped into him and he shot and it went through like his cheek instead of into his brain. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe not, he was maybe he not, was pissed off and still wanted to fire a shot. <laughs> yeah, I was just trying to envision it happening, like him breaking down and be like, "No, I'm not going to do it." Pulling the gun out of his mouth and then shooting the ground because he's angry or something. I don't know. I imagine it where he still got it aimed at his head, but he just moved his head out of the way and just pulled the trigger. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. So he didn't kill himself. And while he's sitting there on his knees, he hears a voice. And he turns and looks, and there is Big Boss standing there. That's right, his dad is still alive. <laughs> Which, Some kind of uh, Frankenstein's monster, also. Uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll explain this. Um, you know what, let's... let's, let's, let's let me let me just go to the wiki here because there's a lot of stuff revealed, but at the same time, I don't want to mess it up. Which is to not me, the biggest reveal. I mean, obviously it's meant to be, but yeah. Let's see here. Meanwhile, Solid Snake visited the grave of Big Boss once again, collapsing in front of the grave. He vowed that the last thing for him to do, his final mission was to take his own life, thereby erasing his genes from the earth and removing the threat of the mutated fox dye strain. Finishing his last cigarette, he put his gun in his mouth and fired. In the end, however, Snake couldn't go through with it and had fired into the air as the last at the last second. The stress of nearly dying had apparently taken its toll as Snake remained on his hands and knees, panting and sweating profusely. In that moment, Snake heard a voice. That's right. Good. No need for you to go just yet. It's been a long time, Snake. Snake turns to see Big Boss, very much alive, but also brandishing the Patriot assault rifle. Surprised, Snake quickly reloads his gun, uh, but after a few moments holding at each other's at gunpoint, Big Boss drops his gun, easily overpowering Snake and embracing him, <laughs> assuring his son that he was not there to fight. See, so yeah, that was pretty good. He he CQ sees him and then grabs him and he's like, he's like, just let it go, man, let it go. <laughs> uh, 
And uh, I say he proceeds to explain that his body has been reassembled using pieces of both liquid snake and solidus snake by Eva and Ocelot, rather than simply keeping kept alive on a machine, and that the body that Eva had that was burnt to crisp by a liquid was not really him. It was a clone of him. And if you remember correctly, in Metal Gear Solid 2, we mentioned in the podcast itself, I know Ken specifically said that Solidus was the perfect clone of Big Boss. So Mm -hmm. the reason why um, Liquid was able to control the uh, part of the SOP system when he had that body was because it was the body of Solidus Snake, not Big Boss. And Solidus was a perfect clone of Big Boss. So, now it kind of makes sense. Um, let's see here. What else? Da-da-da. Ocelot was able to use the genetic code from his body to access the SOP system because Solidus, unlike Liquid or Solid, was a perfect clone of Big Boss. He also admitted that Big Mama and Naomi Hunter had been involved in planning the events of Snake's mission. So they knew us all along. But Big Boss didn't come alone. He's got somebody else with him. He's got a man in a wheelchair with him. And come to find out, that's zero. So the two people who are still alive, who created the Patriots, are right there in that cemetery. And Big Boss says, it's time for us to end this. So he, he, he actually he, he kills zero. He turns off his oxygen. <laughs> And uh, Zero dies. And now only thing that needs to be done now is Big Boss for, to die. Which he's already dying. Because what Snake didn't realize was was that second fox die that was in his body. The one that Drebin injected into him. Was actually Fox Die designed by the Patriots to kill the people who created the Patriots. Which is why Liquid, when on top of Arsenal Gear, died of a heart attack. It was because he was actually infected by the second Fox Die. And now Big Boss is being infected by it right now. And he is about to die. Slowly. Very slowly. Holy shit, very slowly. That man will not die. So, there's your double, double cross. We thought Liquid was working with the Patriots when he really wasn't. And then the Patriots realized that he wasn't working with them. And so they had Drebin put in Fox Die to kill him. Jesus Christ. Wait, no... I'm confused though, because when you say the Patriots, 
Do you mean the current Patriots, which are just the AIs? Or do you mean the original Patriots? I mean the AI. So what the AI had ha- what what happened and what what Big Boss explains to Snake is that essentially the the SOP system, the AI itself finally became self-aware. That's when it de- it decided that the only way it can be controlled is through Big Boss. So the Patriots wanted Liquid to be taken out of the equation because the Patriots knew that Liquid, A, wanted to control the Patriots, and B, wanted to destroy them. They needed to eliminate anything that would allow them to be controlled, which is why they developed a second Fox die. That Fox die was designed specifically to kill the people who created the Patriots and Liquid because they knew that those were the only people who could actually control the system. Once those people are dead, the system could not be stopped. So my problem here is that I played the game and then I read some interpretations after to try and put it all together. Mm-hmm. So now I'm not sure where this idea comes from. If it was even revealed in this last cutscene, but I remember when Big Boss is talking and he's talking about like the division between himself and Ocelot as like separating away from Zero. Uh-huh. Was was that in this part? Yeah, that was in this part. So I don't remember where this came from, but I thought that there essentially is no liquid. And it was just Ocelot the whole time. Well, we're getting into this. All right, okay. All right, I wanted to make sure because everything you said like contradicts what I thought I knew. So who, who that person was. Okay, so here here's what the the official Metal Gear Wiki says. Big Boss then explains to Snake how Ocelot, in order to fool the system, used a combination of nanomachines and psychotherapy to turn himself into Liquid's mental doppelganger, as well as fully explaining the history of the Patriots from his point of view. Once the virus opened the gateway from GW to the Patriots, Big Boss was able to finally determine the location of Zero. He then showed Snake an elderly wheelchair-bound Zero on life support machine. He um, he mentioned the names of the founders of the Patriots that had passed on and, and claimed that the Patriots would not be completely destroyed until he took everything back to Zero and sent Zero back to nothing. With that, Big Boss pulled the plug from Zero's air supply, killing him. So... The Patriots can only be controlled by a snake. Big Boss, Naked Snake, Liquid Snake, Solid Snake, or Solidus Snake. Because they all share DNA. 
okay, to fully gain control, you have to have the perfect one, which is Big Boss or Solidus. Those are the only two that you can gain control of. But in order to trick the system, he had to basically fool the AI into thinking he was liquid. So he used nanomachines and psychotherapy to basically take on the persona of liquid. So, but at least this explains why it was not a coincidence that he got his arm cut off. Yeah. You know, that was planned so that he could put liquid's arm on there so he could say that's where the control was coming from. I mean, that, 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 that could be the case at the same time. I could say that that was kind of like an opportunity. I don't think Ocelot was, was, was planning on getting his arm cut off by, by Frank Yeager. See, Uh, I thought based on this, I thought that was the whole plan the whole time. Like he needed that to happen so that he could convince the AIs that he was turning into liquid. Well, he could have just, I don't know, like cut a foot off or something. I like That's the thing. I was like, th- there had to have been some kind of infusion because he had to have some type of DNA from liquid to make it work. And I, I think he just got his arm cut off and said, well, this is an opportune moment to get me a new arm. And you know what? Kill two birds with one stone. Sure. So that that's basically what happened there. And... The entire time, Big Boss is basically trying to atone for his sins. Uh, he's been doing it since since, since Peace Walker, essentially, um, which we haven't got into. But uh, since the 70s, since in 1974, or technically 1973, Big Boss went against Zero. Um, so in the, in the, the 60s, up to the early 70s, he was with Zero when they formed the Patriots. But then he saw how power-hungry Zero really was and decided, this is not what I wanted. I'm going to break off from Zero because you are not envisioning what the boss wanted. And that's when he turned into, quote-unquote, the good guy, and formed a army to fight against the um, the Patriots. Zero. But he knows what he did. He created the Patriots. He helped create the Patriots. And the entire time he's trying to atone for this. Which is why he decided it's time for him to die. So that the Patriots can fully be dead. And luckily, Snake is going to be killing him right now just by standing next to him. So, back to it. Uh, With Zero dead, Big Boss was the last Patriot. When Snake asked if he would be going back to Zero as well, Big Boss replied that he would, although he wouldn't have to do so by his own hand. The fox dye virus injected into Snake by Drebin that killed Ocelot and Eva was also set to kill Big Boss, and he was starting to feel the effects. 
and also admitted that Naomi was the one who told him this, as well as the events of that mission. Big Boss also explained that Naomi also instructed him to tell Snake that this fox dive virus also replaced the original mutated strain that Snake was injected with by Naomi. So the original fox dye that was put in in 2005 during the Shadow Moses incident has now been replaced completely by the new strain of fox dye, meaning he's no longer a ticking time bomb. He is basically, he has the fox dye virus inside of him, but it's programmed only to kill people who created the Patriots. And since Big Boss is the last one, he's pretty much harmless now. Mm-hmm. But the new fox die will eventually mutate, but it will take a while to do, like years. Yeah, years, not months. Yeah. So you can pretty much live out the rest of your life without having to worry about infecting people with fox die. Since Snake really does only have about six months left to live. Although you've just been microwaved, you probably only have days to live anyway. That that may be true. So, I don't know on that one. But if Snake managed to live that long, Snake helped his, pain, helped his pained father over to the boss's grave, where he saluted her as he'd done 50 years earlier, and sadly stated that he had been dead since the day he killed her. How was that not like the greatest ending ever? Well, I can, I can most certainly tell you, um, but I'll, I'll tell you later. I mean, that's a great line, but, but I mean, in the throwback to three, Oh yeah. And if you didn't know any other games were coming, you know, if this was the last game, that's true to end both gen, like to end the, the current versions of, of Snake's story at the same, with a nod back to the way that he ended Metal Gear 3. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's, 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 it's a good, like, full circle kind of thing. Um, let's see here. Big Boss understood the original meaning behind the boss's last will, uh, that it was not about changing and reuniting the world as one, but rather leaving the world as it is. Sharing one last smoke with his son, Big Boss, as a last request, asked Snake to spend the remainder of his life peacefully and not waste it fighting. And the two finally made peace. In his last words, Boss simply said, This is good, isn't it? And so it was how the greatest soldier of the 20th century passed away at the grave of the woman whose ideals had started it all and whose life and death had shaped him into the person that he was, with Snake still kneeling down, looking at him. And that's that's where the cutscenes end. Big Boss dies. Snake now lives um, with however many months he has left. Um, after the rest of the, um, cutscenes play, 
we get that final thing. It's almost like a codec message that they're always that they always leave with. Um, it says uh, sometime later, Otacon cut up, caught up with Snake and asked him where he was going. Snake, who had decided to quit smoking, responded that there's one thing I still need to do, and that was to see his age off and see what the future brings. Otacon agreed with Snake about his friend being unable to pass on anything to the next generation and insisted that he and Sonny accompany him to document the final days of his hero and his friend. And after some persuasion, Snake agreed. Later, Sonny cooked eggs and the Nomad finally making the perfectly pr- proudly <laughs> exclaimed, it sort of looks like a sun and it's rising again. So that is the end of Metal Gear Solid 4. Now, last week I mentioned that I was curious of how I was going to feel about this game after playing it again, after seeing this final cutscene. Um, and let me explain how I felt in 2008 when I saw this. I think everything that had to do with Big Boss, I or back then I thought it. it I, I thought that everything with Big Boss was was completely unnecessary. Um, to me, the best ending they could have given us would be. Snake putting a gun to his fucking head and killing himself. Because it would be basically you're giving his final mission was to take his own life to save the world. And I feel like I've said it. I said it a million times since, since playing since before playing it this time that that would have been one of the best endings to a game I've ever played was if snake, if, if Kojima had the fucking guts to actually kill snake after playing it again, I partially still feel that way. Um, but after playing all these games in succession and realizing that we're going to see more of Big Boss in Peace Walker and in Metal Gear Solid 5, I'm okay with the Big Boss ending. At the same time, I still feel like if, if the ending was Snake putting a gun to his head and, and killing himself to save the world... That would have been a fucking fantastic ending. Yeah, I mean that would have been a very bold ending, but it, it wouldn't have had the sense of redemption, I guess. You know, just one last push to make it clear that basically Ocelot was a good guy from the beginning. Both in both snakes were good guys from the beginning. Ocelot Eh, maybe. Did Ocelot not take down the 
Patriots? Ocelot wanted to take down the Patriots, yes. It, it's it's all about perspective, really. In in my mind, the whole the whole time you're thinking he's doing it to take over, but now in the end you realize that him and Big Boss and Eva were all in it together to free the world. And you wouldn't have had any of I mean, whether you I guess believe that or not, that's the that's the perspective that I don't think you would have ever gotten if he had just killed himself. That may be true. Because in um, my mind, now Ocelot's the good guy. I mean, he's he's the one that was more in it than anyone else. I mean, Solid Snake was essentially his pawn. And it was still, you know, it was the splinter faction of the original Patriots that saved the world from Zero and the AIs that were created. That That is interesting. I just, uh, I don't know. It, it's, it's, I don't, it, it's, I, if, if it, if it was up to me, it makes fucking snake go out like a hero, man. You know, that, that, that's just me. Like, let this be the ending, you know? Don't so leave, don't, don't leave it open like this. What's that? Life? You don't think he deserves life after everything he's given up? I think Snake is is definitely deserving of life, but I don't think it was made for him. That that's that's the thing. I I like Snake is a tragic character. He always has been, you know. It's it, and I think I think that would that, man that would have been fucking fantastic, you know. It it, it may be a somber fucking thing. But when you sit back and think about it, Snake did the right thing because he's he's a fuck he he's he's a soldier, you know. He he is a hero because he killed himself. How is that the right? You know, I think it would have been a cool ending. But how is that the right thing? What does he gain from killing himself? What does the world gain from him killing himself? He's got no reason to. Yeah, but we don't find that out until after Big Boss shows up. What I'm saying is the information that we learn from Big Boss isn't real. Basically, all that shit that happened with Big Boss showing up and Zero and him explaining, oh, the virus isn't isn't really a ticking time bomb anymore. No, leave it like Snake is still a ticking time bomb. He has to kill himself and he's going to do it. If you would have left it like that, Snake would have went out a fucking hero. Yeah, I guess I could see that. That that's that's my thing, but Kojima always has to do. Oh, I got one more thing, you know. There's always one more thing, and I was just like, let this man die. It sounds to me like the oh, you, you you didn't play well enough, so you got the bad ending where he just kills himself. But if he left out all the bo- big boss stuff, I mean, it would have been a fucking awesome ending. It would have been cool. But you know, because I mean, th- this this entire game is kind of a is is kind of a down note for the most part. I mean, it's it's all you know, shit has hit the fan. You know, Snake is dying. Let him go out on his own fucking terms. You know what I mean? Yeah. But. You know, I mean, like I said, playing it again, I'm okay with it. I just think 
my theory would have been way better. <laughs> <laughs> that that that's just me, you know. Maybe I'm selfish. Um, but the bigger thing, uh, and I think I know me and you discussed it um, was in 2008 when we finished this game. There was a rumor floating around on the internet saying that six months after Metal Gear Solid 4 had came out, everybody needs to boot their system back up because you're going to get a new cutscene showing Snake actually die. You remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was that huge rumor. And I was like, oh, that totally sounds like Kojima. He'd do that shit. He'd make it like a timed thing to where, yeah. like, yeah, you'd, you'd have to, you could set your PlayStation up like six months and it would do it. Um, yeah, for six months I've been fooling you guys. Here's the real ending. Yeah, but no, that, that was not the case. That was just a rumor. Um, but it had people booting their systems back up. That was the thing. Like, I even did. I was like, I wonder if there really is something there. But nah. No. Mine up a year and a half later waiting for uh, trophies. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> that was my next shoot up of Metal Gear 4. <laughs> uh, but yeah. That's it. That is Solid Snake's final mission. I think this game still holds up very, very well. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. I think I, the things that are rough about it were rough from day one. And the things that were good about it are still just as good. Yeah. And the 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 story revelations that occur in this game uh, and the way he ties everything together is fucking fantastic. Yeah. And, and shockingly well done. Yeah. And... People, you know, there's still people out there who say that, oh, he, he, he never really wanted to make three and four. If that's the case, that dude worked over time putting this shit together. Yeah. There, there's multiple people out there. I know one of my old roommates, Alan, he, he says up and down, he says, yeah, Kojima was done after Metal Gear Solid 2. He says Konami wanted him to keep making Metal Gears. I'm like, well, if that's the fucking case, he did a pretty damn good job of linking everything together. Yeah, for not caring, he put in a pretty all-star effort. Yeah. So I I think that's a load of bullshit. I have a feeling. I have a feeling since since he made Metal Gear Solid back in 1998, he's got a fucking like notebook about 250 fucking pages of how everything is connected. Yeah. I guarantee you he was thinking about Metal Gear Solid 5 back then. He's linking all this shit together. And now that we're finished with this, I want to get into my theories of of Kojima and uh, Kojima Productions and Konami. I think this is a load of bullshit. You think this whole thing is a joke? I think this whole thing is is some kind of a a, a fucking Kojima prank. <laughs> I'm dead fucking serious, dude. Dude, think about it. I swear to God, you heard, and we've talked about this, but I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast. You, you heard that there was a guy, a, a, I think it was a Russian scientist or something like that, who was going to do the world's first head transplant, right? This was in the news earlier this year. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
he 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 was on major news outlets. He did a TED Talks about it. If anybody knows anything about TED Talks, they cost a lot of money to do. Okay? Come to find out, that guy is not a scientist at all. And people realized this when they went and looked at the first trailer for Metal Gear Solid V, The Phantom Pain, and noticed that the doctor who gave Big Boss his robotic arm and robotic leg was the same guy who is doing this TED Talks. And during his TED Talks, he uses fucking, like, anagrams. Or is it an anagram? What what is it where each letter of a sentence spells something? That's an anagram, right? No, an anagram is when you have the same letters where you can jumble them around to make a different word. Okay. Um, Well, you know what I'm talking about. Where you have a list of sentences... But if you look at the first letter of each sentence, it spells something. And it spells Metal Gears <laughs> during his TED Talk. All right. On top of that, he kept mentioning a phantom pain throughout the speech. This dude is an actor hired by Kojima to pretend he was going to do a head transplant and he is just a screen motion capture guy that he modeled the doctor after in a video game. (laughs) What the fuck? And there's the thing. You saw one story about it. I think it was on Kotaku. I can't remember. And that was it. I'm like, why are people not talking about this? Do you people not understand what is going on? This is like the most elaborate hype train I've ever seen in my life. And and then it came out, oh, Kojima is working on Silent Hills. And, oh, now we're canceling Silent Hills. And uh, we're getting rid of Kojima. And, oh, we're taking Kojima's name off of the box for Metal Gear Solid Five. When when that happened, and Ryan Wombold, who was on the N4G podcast, he mentioned it too. When that happened, that's when I my brain clicked and said, "This is a complete elaborate fucking joke. This has got to be because it's too fucking ridiculous. It's gonna come out. I guarantee you. If if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, and I'm sad because Kojima's Productions is gone, but." If this turns out to be real, like this is really a prank, Kojima is the greatest prankster of all time. Because this sounds like something he would do, but at the same time, at the scale. Because, you know, when he, when, when, you know, Kodami's fucking stock went down and shit when this happened. Yeah. You know, and I was like, I mean, th- this is like for real. But if this is some elaborate prank, good God, the 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 balls on this man! <laughs> I, I, I I don't know. I I I honestly think there's there's two things that I think. One, things that we have seen 
with the Phantom Pain so far, trailers and stuff like that, I think that's either a very, very, very small portion of that game, or it's not, it's not, it's some kind of a smokescreen. We, we are not, we're not seeing what the game really is about. I could be wrong on that. In a Metal Gear 2, Metal Gear Solid 2 style, you know. Yeah. Misdirection. The the theory is, and I think I've talked about this theory before, but a theory is floating around saying that we, we, we haven't talked about Ground Zeroes, but something really, really bad happens to 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 Big Boss in Ground Zeroes. Um, and there's a, a eight-year span between Ground Zeroes and the Phantom Pain, Metal Gear Solid V, um, where he has to be reconstructed. He loses an arm, loses a leg. He has a piece of shrapnel stuck into his fucking forehead that he can't get out. Um, and the theory is, is that we are going to be playing Metal Gear Solid V thinking the entire time we are big boss, but come to find out we're not. And we're actually uh, Decoy Octopus. Because Decoy Octopus was a master at at disguising himself. Like he would take on plastic surgery and stuff to make himself look like people. Um, And there's a couple of reasons why. Because of the scars, because they said that like when Decoy Octopus wasn't disguised, when he was looked like himself, he was always covered with scars. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing, the voice actor. As long as a Metal Gear has been voice acted, Snake has always been voice acted by David Hayter, and it came out originally on Twitter. David Hayter came out and said, "I am no longer a part of Metal Gear." Uh, we have parted ways. I am not. I am no longer voicing the voice of Solid Snake, which immediately I said bullshit. <laughs> and then they announced Keither Sutherland was going to be playing Big Boss, and Keither Sutherland does play Big Boss in Ground Zeroes. And then. He's going to be playing it in the Phantom Pain. That's the other part of the theory is that we are going to be playing as a big boss with Keith or Sutherland's voice. And then somewhere down the line in that game, we're going to run into the real big boss and it's going to be voiced by David Hayter. Yeah. I so hope that happens. (laughs) It may not happen. These are all theories. These are all like people's theories and my theories combined. But I love how crazy it is, and I love how, like, people's, like, careers are basically the joke here. You know, is David Hayter done? Is this doctor a real doctor? Who knows? It's I mean, the insane. Doctor, but... I, mean, I mean, that guy, I mean, yeah, that, that, that was proven true. Like, like the, this guy is not really doing a head transplant. This guy was a promotional promotional thing for metal gear solid five, which is fucking insane. Yeah. I can't believe more people aren't talking about this. It's insane. Cause it went out into the real world too. Yeah, I, saw, I saw it on like CNN and shit. Yeah. 
I was like, what the fuck? You know, but I mean, it's crazy. So, September 1st, I want to be fucking surprised as shit. That's all I know. I fucking can't wait. I'm so fucking stoked for this game. You would not believe. Just, I just want to see what, what Kojima really has in store. And if this really is his final Metal Gear game, then I, I, this, this, it's got to go out with a bang, dude. It's got to. So we'll see how it goes. But we do have some emails. We're running a little late here, so I'm going to go ahead and get into them. Finally, after four weeks, I'm finally going to read this email. Uh. (laughs) It comes from Joseph. And it says, uh, hey, Phoenix Down casters. So Metal Gear Solid 4, let me start by saying Metal Gear Solid 4 is my favorite Metal Gear game. When I got the game on release day, I was afraid to start it. So I I was just watching that beautiful scene in the cemetery over and over again for like five hours. (laughs) Jesus. Also, got drunk as fuck. (laughs) I guess I wasn't ready to say goodbye to Solid Snake. I really believe that he's going to pull the trigger in the end. I absolutely loved the crazy commercials before the game. They were kind of edgy and stupid all at the same time. 20-something hours later, I finished the game. I was at peace and completely satisfied. Needless to say, I was crying like a bitch. Oh, man, that fight with Ocelot. That was some heavy shit right there. There's one thing that bothers me regarding the story element. Big Mama dies without knowing that her love, Big Boss, is still alive. That was kind of sad to me. But, on the contrary, she did know he was alive. Because her and her and Naomi were the ones that, that reconstructed him. So, don't feel bad. Uh, but that's all, folks. Only about 50 days left until Metal Gear Solid 5. But I have a feeling that it won't be as story-driven as Metal Gear Solid 4 was. P.S. Please be gentle when you're talking about the nanomachine stuff. Keep it up. Sincerely, Joe from Hungary. Thank you very much. Finally got your email. Um, We have another email. I I have to say, um, we we did get another email, but it's not really regarding Metal Gear, um, but it was somebody who sent in an email for Metal Gear. Um, it's a uh, uh, Dara sent an, another email uh, saying, but I, I guess realizing that I, I'm a big uh, video game music fan and said, uh, Hey Drew forgot to send you this earlier. Wouldn't be surprised if you heard it before. If you have an interesting rendition of final fantasy seven soundtrack. Um, uh, but yeah, it, it sent me a YouTube, YouTube link to it. I do appreciate that email. I just wanted to mention it because it, it was somebody who had already sent one in before. Um, we have another email from uh, Alberto. It uh, says, Hi, Drew and crew. It's AM Gamer, 
and I just want to say thanks for answering my question on the show. I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on the final chapter and the overall game. I really enjoy you uh, enjoy, enjoy hearing you and Matt's point of view on each game, and thankfully, I've played just about all the Metal Gear Solid games out there. Phoenix Down is a very unique podcast, and it brings back so many good memories for me, not just the games, but the times around my first playthrough. Speaking of first playthrough, I hope you guys, and he says, I hope you guys and Sophie enjoy Peace Walker. Um, and unfortunately, Sophie will not be joining us with Peace Walker. Um, but I want to get her back on the show sometime uh, because she's she's a really good host with us. Um, it says, my first playthrough was in 2009 while I was deployed to Iraq. And thankfully, one of my buddies had the game shipped to him. So we played and finished it together. I still have the game with over... Uh, 120 hours clocked in. Holy shit. Holy yeah. Uh, that game really helped uh, time go by during that deployment. Also, from what I read about the web, Metal Gear Solid 5, The Phantom Pain, has many aspects of Peace Walker in it, but I won't spoil anything for you. Uh, great job, guys, and keep it up. Sincerely, AM Gamer. It says, uh, PS, uh, my PSN name is uh, Alberco. I'll send you a friend request soon since I'm back on my feet. I play mostly Destiny, Godzilla, and any PSN Plus games. I also have a new 3DS and PC. Thank you very much for that email. I'm also still rocking my new 3DS. Well, 2DS. Yeah, I was about to say, it's not the new 3DS. That's, there's, that's a different system. No, it is a different system. And actually, GameStop, I think, had some deal where you can trade in any... Any unit of the 3DS family to get a new 3DS for a hundred bucks or a hundred bucks off of it. Oh, wow, that's actually not bad at all. So I, I was pretty tempted. I'm not sure if it's still going on or if it just ended or if it, it's just about to start. But tempted I'm... to drop my 2DS and do the upgrade since I haven't played a ton of it. But I, you know, I, I do enjoy what I've played of it. Right, and without a Vita, it's uh, it's been my my go to mobile gaming. The 3DS is a very good system. I I really enjoy mine. Um, yeah, I, I like it, it's got some fantastic games on there, some really great RPGs, um, and it also has Monster Hunter. Monster Hunter Four Ultimate is probably going to be one of my top ten games of this year. It's weird to me, though, because since I've had it and I've been excited to try this whole new realm of games, almost every game I've been really excited to try has been just a DS game, not a 3DS game. Well, yeah, well, you missed that entire generation. I missed all of it, so yeah. that, that's the reason I was excited to come into this, is I could get DS and 3DS. One, one, of my, one of my favorite games, I would say it's probably in one of my top 50 games of all time, is on the DS, and it's called Radiant Historia. That game, that game is fucking amazing, and it came out of nowhere. I had to review it. Ken, Ken uh, sent me a, a game, the copy of it. And he's like, uh, you're my RPG guy because we didn't have Jay at the time. And uh, he's like, here, you want to review this? I'm like, what is he? He says, it's a role-playing game on the DS. I'm like, yeah, whatever. So I put it in. Fucking fell in love with that game. That game is fucking phenomenal. If you can find a copy of Radiant Historia, get it. That game, like, it, it, it had aspects of Final Fantasy. It had aspects of Chrono Trigger. You were doing, like, fucking time stuff. It was it's amazing. 
It really is. Easily one of my top 50 games. I mean, I can't go like, oh, top 10 because that's, that's not going to happen, but, but it is most certainly one of the best games on that system. So, yeah, Radiant Historia is the name of it. Got another email. Uh, this one comes from, uh, somebody who I think we all know, uh, originally was a listener of Phoenix Down. And then became a writer for ZTGD. Jay Lee writes in uh, to say, uh, I'm too lazy to send uh, to the designated place, but you know what this is for. He just sent it to my personal email. <laughs> he says, hey, fellas, Jay here with some questions for you now that you guys have wrapping up Metal Gear series. Well, we're not done just yet. Um, it says, uh, now that Metal Gear may very well be out of Kojima's hands, do you think the series would be better off if it were laid to rest for good? If not, which developer team would you, would be best suited to continue its legacy? If Kojima's not making Metal Gear, I don't want Metal Gear. Yeah, I, I would agree. That That's my thing. I don't think anybody could... The, I don't think anybody can come close to, to, to matching... Just his storytelling. It's it's just that unique. It just wouldn't feel right. So he said, Personally, I feel the story of Snake can only be written by the creator himself. To have anyone else handle it would be like if George R.R. R. Martin died and some other guy picked up where he left off. When it, <laughs> when it comes to the creative vision of an individual, there's no real substitute, no replacement to the original, and the attempt otherwise, whether it be born of revenants or greed, can serve the medium. Always so good with his words. Uh, it is to be left unfinished for all time, so it should be as, we, as we're all left to ponder and dwell in the romanticisms of what might have been. Of course, there are ex exceptions to this, but for creative work that revolves largely around its story and characters, I feel this to be true. Secondly, I find myself in the position of wanting to introduce the Metal Gear series to a younger generation, but I have a hard time uh, figuring out which game in the series would be the best to start them off with. It's a good point. I mean, yeah. nobody playing Metal Gear 1 today is going to feel the way we did. That's true. How well the game has aged over the years is crucial as first impressions can be quite deadly. But at the same time, starting them off with something like Metal Gear Solid 4 doesn't sound great either due to how much pr prior knowledge of characters and events play a role in the game. What do you think? Well, that's all from me. Have a good one, Jay. Uh, Maybe something Peace Walker? Peace Walker? Um, yeah, that's, that feels a little bit more modern um, for its for its time. It, Truth be told, Metal Gear Solid 2 kind of holds up um, yeah. as far as controls go. Uh, and it still looks halfway decent. I mean, it's not uh, it's not going to be blowing your socks off. Um, but, to, I mean, for me, and I know for you, you can't top Metal Gear Solid. I mean, that's... And it, it, it is largely due to nostalgia, but at the same time, you can't talk about the brilliance of Metal Gear without diving into how fucking revolutionary 
Metal Gear Solid was for video games in general. Nobody had ever seen anything like that before. Nobody had ever seen a game so cinematic before. And it it was it was a breakthrough. Yeah, it's funny because it broke so much ground in that sense for being cinematic, and that's not even what makes it stand up. Yeah, this- I mean at the time that was revolutionary, but now that's an afterthought. It's the it's the Kojima isms that make that stand up. Yeah. And it, it's so crazy to to just like, well, you know, it's this crazy game and also it's revolutionary on many other fronts, you know, sort of not by accident, but, you know, that's not the primary goal of a game. It's not like saying, for example, Crisis or, or something like that, like, oh, Crisis is the best looking game ever. Well, yeah, it was, but that's, you know, that was all it had. That's what it was, was the best looking game ever. And once it's not anymore... You know, it's it's just a game. I mean, it's it's the it's the perfect example is me with Half Life Two, because I know there are tons of people out there who absolutely adore Half Life Two, and I'm one of those people who say it feels like a generic first person shooter, and to me it is because I did not experience Half Life Two when it first came out. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, so I, A, don't have that nostalgia for it. And B, I have seen things do what it does and do it better since then. So, and, and the, the prime example would be is if you took somebody, if you took, if you took a 16 year old kid and sat them down with Metal Gear Solid one, they'd say that game is a complete piece of crap because right. they have played games that do what Metal Gear Solid one does. And does it way better. So, it, you know, it's it's one of those things. I think it is... Metal Gear Solid is a product of its time, but at the same time, it is timeless. If that makes Which, any sense. That, I guess makes that a relevant question then, because it is so good, and if it is timeless, how do you bring somebody into it? You sit them down in front in front of a fucking PlayStation. Suffer. Yeah, give them a fucking controller and say, "Hey, asshole, use the D-pad. Good luck and enjoy." Well, to be fair, that's basically what we just did with The Witcher. Everyone said, "If you want the best experience, skip one and go to two. Yeah. We said, "No, we're gonna do it. You know, we're gonna suffer through the awkwardness to get it in the right order." But you know, probably not everyone would do that. That's true. There's a lot of people out there that wouldn't do that. There's a lot of people out there who who their first experience with The Witcher was The Witcher 2. So, you know, it, it, it's one of those things. You know, if you if you if you want to experience the Metal Gear series, you got to play Metal Gear Solid. You have Consequently, uh, on The Witcher, one of the guys in my lab that is his absolute favorite game series of all time. Yeah. He's already, he's already on his second or third playthrough of The Witcher 3. Holy fucking shit. That game's like, like 200 hours. He's read all of the books and uh, just adores it. And he, he can't wait until the next set of DLC comes out so he can play through all three Witcher games again. Well, I know the, DL, the DLC's coming out October? Yeah. Yep. 
and they say it's as long as The Witcher 2. Just yep. the DLC. <laughs> Holy shit. We yeah, need to, we, we, I did not expect him to spend so much time talking about The Witcher. Yeah. Was he a, is he a big gamer or is he or no? You know, I don't know him all that well yet. Apparently he is. I mean, he was talking today about how yeah, he he may even listen to this cuz we we had just recently talked about this podcast. Um, but he recently talked about getting eye fatigue at work because he's sitting in front of a computer all day and then going home and sitting in front of a computer all night. So, maybe, I, you know, we haven't we haven't really gotten in depth in it, but he does love The Witcher. Okay. Well, I concur. I actually like The Witcher too. The Witcher, have- The Witcher also. <laughs> so, um, I'm I'm really excited to get in The Witcher too. Uh, whenever we do, because like yeah, I I hear that game's fantastic. So, um, and I I need me a fantasy fix pretty soon. I miss my fantasy. So we got one more email. This one comes from Jamie. And uh, the title of it is MGS. What now? She couldn't miss the last episode. No, absolutely not. You're right. Uh, she says uh, the the subject line is MGS4 goodbye snake with a frowny face. When she says, hi, guys. Well, I didn't cry, so that's good. But I still feel a little depressed about the whole thing. I mean, poor snake, poor snake was innocent in all this, and now he has to die young. He's only in his 40s. They didn't really say how long he had, but they imply it isn't long. Raiden can be stabbed through the chest God knows how many times, cut his arms off, be run over by submarines, etc., etc. And he still... Yo, yeah, he did go through a microwave. This dude is kind of indestructible, too. Um, and he still gets a brand new body in the end. But, you know, Snake will just get old and die because that's fair. Although, to be honest, if they had found a way to save him, as in make him young again, I probably would have complained about how convenient that was. Yeah. I've been trying to figure out... If there actually was a reason for him to age prematurely, obviously, yes, they engineered him that way so that he couldn't fall into enemy hands. But story-wise, it's not important. What made Kojima put a bit of uh, what made Kojima put a bit of storyline in? What it what did it add? Nothing that I can see except that it makes us feel sad for him. And to show how badass he is since he can still be awesome even when he's falling apart. It would have made sense if he were to have died getting into the server room because that was, after all, a suicide mission. And he's already a dead man, but I guess we'll just ignore the bit of information. Uh, really, when it comes down right to it, when it comes right down to it, I can't read today. When it comes right down to it, there was no reason for the fox die to still be in him and soon to be airborne, there was no reason for him to get old and die. Drebin could have still given him the new fox die that would infect Big Boss, Liquid, Ocelot, and Eva, since the new fox die doesn't seem to affect anyone else. We don't even need that fox die mutation story then, but I guess I'm trying too hard to have an alternate ending for Snake. 
once they introduced the whole aging thing, they did have a, to follow through with it, though. And I'm glad they did, I guess. I'm glad they did, I guess, yeah. Okay. Uh, regarding Liquid Ocelot, firstly, that Liquid versus Snake and Ocelot versus Naked Snake fight was the best and worst part of this act. <laughs> I think I winced with every punch. <laughs> Uh, why do they always have to pick on poor Snake? Also, if they were both trying to destroy the Patriots, couldn't they just share a friendly handshake? Good work, brother! <laughs> However, the Snake Eater song playing when it was Ocelot and Snake was quite possibly my favorite part of this game. I'm glad they explained that it was Ocelot who intended to have Liquid's persona take him over. The whole dead guy grafting his arm onto a live person was such a huge stretch even for Kojima. Right. But I feel like the story behind it is extremely forced. It's so convoluted. I wonder if they could have found an easier way to trick the Patriots. Big Boss could have said, well, we tricked the Patriots. I would have <laughs> I would have taken his word for it. <laughs> it was a little annoying that he kept telling Snake that he has a new lease on life now, go live without a gun, and then adds, well, for as long as you live anyways. Way to rub it in, old man. Oh, give him a good old let it go, son, bear hug, then telling him later that he never considered him his son. Mixed signals much? <laughs> I still don't like you, Naked Snake. Good guy or not. Oh, come on. Don't be mad at John. Uh, riding with a sword in his mouth? Really? That's all I have to say about that. Okay, I can't end this email without talking about Johnny. Of course you can't. Uh, from, <laughs> from a first-time player point of view, I'm a little angry. The Johnny from the beginning and the handsome Johnny are really two different people. You can't tell me that Johnny, who didn't know his safety was on when he first met Snake, who was a bumbling buffoon of a soldier, is now wicked awesome. I don't buy it. However fun it was to watch him, however it was fun to watch him and Mer come to Meryl's aid. And he says he, st he stayed with the crew so he could protect her. He has done zero protecting until now. Well, guess you could count pulling her out of the water, but I enjoyed watching watching it for reasons. <laughs> all in all, Snake doesn't kill himself. There's a wedding and a few family reunions, so it was mostly satisfying. I imagine Snake is sitting on a beach having a drink while Otacon does some sciencing on his laptop and Sonny plays in the waves. Hmm. I don't think... I, I don't feel so depressed anymore. Uh... What should Snake have done with his life anyways? Slowly getting over it, Jamie. Thank you for that email, Jamie. Once again, it's always interesting to see a first-timer's take on the entire thing. Uh, this is, uh, this, like, this, this is essentially, um, this is his ending. This is Solid Snake's ending. So, you know, they, they, I think Kojima wraps it up pretty well. Yeah. I think as well as you can expect, given the complexity and the length of the series. Yeah. But we're not done yet. We still got one more game and then an hour long game. 
and then Metal Gear Solid Five to talk about. Uh, this is all of this concerning Big Boss and his war against the Patriots and Zero. So let's go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, I appreciate everybody listening as always. Uh, you can also send us an email. I am uh, I am at DML Fury. That's my Twitter. Uh, the email is Drew at ZTGD.com. Um, you can tell us about Metal Gear. We're going into Peace Walker next. We'll go into that. Uh, this is going to be interesting for both Matt and I because we really haven't played through this game. I I have no idea what happens in this game. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, I am too. I'm really excited to see what's going to happen here. Uh, it's It's a lot different. So for Jamie or anybody else who's never played this game before and playing along with us, uh, the cutscenes are played out very differently. Um, they're played out in comic book style. Um, uh, so you're, you're actually reading panels, uh, but they're actually interactive at times. So, uh, I know that there's, there's some times where you'll have to hit buttons like in a quick time event and stuff like that. So, um, it's interesting how they handle that stuff. Uh, but we'll get into that next week. Um, you can also follow us all on Twitter. I am at DML Fury. Matt is at REMGS and the podcast itself is at ZTGD Phoenix down. Um, other than that, I think that's about it. If you would like to leave us an iTunes review, we would greatly appreciate it. Um, yeah, that's it. We're on to, uh, we're going on to peace Walker next and, uh, we will be back next week to do that. Uh, but until then, I am Drew. And I'm Matt. And we are out of here. I hope you guys have a great week. And we will be back next week with the beginning of Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker. <laughs>